How exciting. I, uh, I love that song. Is Man, what a, what a song of victory, of triumph, of, of just uh, realizing who we are in Him. That nothing matters at all as long as our life is built on Jesus Christ, right? And uh, it's just so exciting. If you would, please turn your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know, I hear so many messages that, that talk about facing our giants, and I, I and I've spoke on uh, several things on facing our giants, facing those obstacles, the, the tribulations, the trials that go on in our life. But this morning, we're going to take this whole story of David and Goliath, and we're going to turn it around. And I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. I no longer want you to be intimidated by the giant that was placed in your life. Many of us come to church and we realize that we open up the Word of God and we open up the text and we're excited just about, you know, what we're going to learn that day. But today I'm going to put a little twist and turn on this. And I realize that many of you that are here today are children of the Most High God. And yet you, you've come here today because maybe there's might been, there might have been just a struggle. Maybe you've come today because you want to just praise God and, and you wanted to stop in, in the busyness of your week and in your life and say, I just want to stop and just be a consumer. I just want to take in all I can today. For my life is about Him. I remember growing up, all of the obstacles and trials and tribulations and in, in this sanctuary, how many of you have faced some of uh, those obstacles where maybe there was just a friend that turned their back on you? Maybe it was a marriage that just went wrong. Maybe it was uh, a relationship even before that that went wrong. Maybe, in, maybe one of your coworkers just, you know, I mean, you thought you could trust them and they turned their back on you. And you've actually looked back over your life and said, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Anybody in this room? And we're all in the same place. We've all had to face some giants, some obstacles in our life. And today as we look at the story of David and Goliath, and I'm only going to just touch a little bit on it. But I want you to say and understand that instead of looking at the giant, the enemy, the problem in your life as a curse, let's look at it as a blessing. Oh, where are you going with this one? You know, I remember as a, as a little boy, um, you know, being in school and, and, and having to deal with that, that time of when in my life I had to change from, uh, you know, being not so sold out for Christ and then being sold out for Christ and that level of uh, hurt and pain and and tribulation and suffering. I remember, you know, talking with my dad, talking with my stepmom, talking with my mom, crying, saying, please get me into a, to a Christian school. I've got to get out of this public school system. These kids are awful. They're wicked. They're, they're terrible. But you know what it did for me? Because of those giants in my life, it made me a better man of God. You know, we often wonder... Okay, if it would have played out differently, if maybe for some of you, you would have won the PCL, the NBA, the ABC, the DEFG, whatever it is you've worked at so hard at 
in your athletic life and you thought, you know what, I'm going to work really hard at, at uh, trying to achieve just being number one. My son-in-law, as they went to state, People always laugh. I didn't know Seth was your son-in-law. That's what I call him. But uh, last year they went to state. But what would have happened if they wouldn't have gone to state? How would they have looked at that? What would they have learned from it? Would they have looked back on it and said, okay, what could I have done differently? You know, as they walked off of the, the baseball field in, in, in the matter of, uh, of seconds, going from a sense of victory to a sense of defeat. This past week we watched the NBA All-Star Game. And, and for any of you that watched it, it was kind of cool at one point because... I mean, uh, Stefan's team was, was up and they were going crazy. And all of a sudden, uh, LeBron James, they come back within minutes. They win, you know, the big victory. LeBron James gets to get, become the MVP of the game, gets another Kia on top of his other 42 Kias that he's already won. And, uh, but I love that with that game, watching that and being encouraged by that game, is that I think many of them can walk back into that locker room and say, what could we have done differently? We all know that God blesses us. He can show us favor. He can promote us. He can even heal us. Increase our income. Make the blind to see. And He can even allow the lame to walk. But what we don't always realize is that God can use our enemies to bless us. What you think is a disappointment that someone has caused... That person who walked away from you and left you. The co-worker who's trying to make you look bad and a friend that betrayed you. You may not like it. But you could never reach your full potential without these giants. Why? Because I truly believe that if you are a child of God, that is, this is all a part of his divine plan. To get you where you're supposed to be. So let's read in 1 Samuel. I won't read the whole chapter for sake of time this morning, but I want to highlight one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament. And as the Bible says, he was a man after God's own heart. Why was David a man after God's own heart after he committed adultery, after some of the things that he's done? But when you look at it, you stop and think, yeah, he was a man's a man after God's own heart because of the trial and tribulation and because of the enemies that were up against him, because of the persecution, he still persevered. Many of us don't persevere. We just give up. I like what it says in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shoka and Ezekah and Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That means nine and a half feet tall. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. That means 125 pounds. And he had a groves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing him, a shield, went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? 
not I a Philistine. Ye servants of Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And we skip over to verse 14. And it said, David was the youngest and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, if you look at the verse prior to that, here he was just a scrawny little pencil-toed kid who was out there attending to his sheep. And he wasn't, you have to understand that as a shepherd boy, they weren't in, in, the, in the type of setting that uh, they had maids and butlers and guards. And they didn't have all these people that were with them. To help them out. For he was just a shepherd boy. But there was one thing that he had. That in his poverty. And even though there was opposition. There was much opportunity. And so that's what I love about David. Even though he was out there. And they looked at him like. You need to get back. And here's his brothers. They're out there fighting this great fight of the faith. And they're getting ready to go up against this huge giant. Here is little old David. Who says I'll do it. But you see, here's what was different with David versus any of his brothers. His brothers were filled with pride. His brothers were already soldiers. They already had a special place with their father. And there was David who said, they said, hey, listen, you're good for nothing. Stay back. And yet this little guy went up against one of the biggest men in the army who then said to the king, Get one of your men. Bring them out. I'm going to go up against them. And I will tell you this. If you do lose, you will be serving us. But if you win, we will serve you. And so David is there. He hears Goliath's challenge. And I want to go all the way over to verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. In verse 33, and Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're just but a little child. You're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Could you imagine? I don't know about you. But I know about me. And any bear or lion comes up against me, I'm running like a scared girl. And that's all that matters. You will hear me scream and run. And I will jump buildings in a single bound. I'm not going to take on those great giants. But then we stop and we realize that we have giants every day in our life. Obstacles and, and, and trials that we go through. Do we feel the same way? Do we start running like a scared girl? And we never face those trials because we don't believe that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. And so we stop and we don't embrace really uh, who Christ is and say, you know, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. So we go over to verse 39. And so they're going back and forth. And... Uh, in verse 38, it says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword with his armor, and he essayed to him. 
for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David took them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even a scrip. And his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. And it says there that in verse 43, and the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. I will give you thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, you came to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take you, your head from you, and I will give to the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you in our hands. It came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. We continue to, to see in the scriptures that David then took those five little stones, went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And one little stone came out of the sling and hit Goliath right square in the head. Killed him, knocked him out, dead in a doornail. That's what happened. But wait a minute. Did he run? No, he said this. And let me draw this, let me draw this, back, this attention back to the scripture that says that David then said, you can fight what you may. But in verse 45, he said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. That's awesome. I mean, when you think about it, we can't do anything in our own power. We cannot achieve anything in our own power. We cannot even pay our bills in our own power. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Good old little David said, I can do it. I can do it. I can. I can. And he did. Because he had faith. Because he said, with the Lord of hosts, I will conquer my enemy. I will conquer this giant that's in my life. And I will take him and I will take off his head. Now, I want to tell you this. At 15 years of age, I guess I just wasn't kind of that type of guy. Even though I love gladiator and some of those barbaric things. And I always said I would be a knight. But I don't know that I really fit that. So... I would have to probably lean more towards the Lord of hosts, and I have. Because, you see, we can't even in our own Christian life, we can't fight the enemy on our own. We cannot fight him on our own. If it were for Goliath, David would be known only as a shepherd boy. You see, Goliath was strategically placed in David's path, not to defeat him, but to promote him. And without Goliath, David would have never taken the throne. So don't complain about your giants, and don't complain about your enemies. We start off with point number one. What may look like a setback is really a setup. What may look like... A setback is really 
a setup to get you to your throne. David could have never had gotten to where he was going had he not started his faith to become one of the greatest kings of the Old Testament. Had he not started his faith as just a little boy. Oh, how my heart rejoices with Franklin Graham, with the, the Graham family, as they lost their father. A man who surrendered to preach the word of God at 16. But you see, we don't really know all of the little stories about what brought Billy Graham to the place where he was at. But I do know this, that at 16 years old, when he surrendered to preach, that God started doing some and started working some miracles out in his life that he thought he could never do. See, when you're young, you just have that personality of, I'm, I'm available, I'm willing. And then we, we become older and much more mature. We hit the ripe age of 18, and now we know everything. We can pay our own bills, we can live out on our own. And that's why I thank God. My daughters are like, not me, please, Dad. Don't kick me out of the house. I'm 19, and I really don't want to go anywhere. I'm 18, and we want to stay with you, Dad, forever. That is not happening. So, on with the rest of the story. Lord, I have to face my giants. So, anyhow, you know, when you have, uh, when you have the opportunity to hear the voice of God and surrender to it, as Billy Graham did, then all of a sudden you start to see millions, not just in the United States of America, that man touched more lives in my time than I really do believe that I will ever see. So the question was, I was kind of excited. I thought, who's the next little David that God's going to use? Who's the next little guy that God's going to use to start revival around our globe? You know who will use? The young man or young woman that's sold out and surrendered for him. Setbacks. You see, God could have used King Saul, who had the authority to promote David. All God had to do was move on Saul's heart and tell him, promote that young man. But God chose to bless David through his giant, his enemies. In this case, and not through his friends or through his king. That's why we don't have to play up to people and try to convince them to like us, thinking maybe they'll give me a good break. God doesn't have to use your friends or associates. He can use your enemies. He can use your critics. The people who are trying to push you down, he will use them to push you up. You know what I'm saying? The people who are trying to push you down, he will use them to push you up. Watch this. After David defeated Goliath, and this is what I loved about the scripture. You never read anything more about Goliath. Obviously, he was killed. But what happened to the great big tombstone and the big memorial and all the stuff that took place? Well, it didn't. He was created for David's purpose. And part of his life on this earth was to establish who David was. And in the same way, God has lined up divine connections. People will be good to you, encourage you, push you forward. I, I'm just going to share a little story, a couple stories with you this morning. Uh, when, when you look at our life, we have a tendency to always stop and look at the negative 
negative versus the positive. We are so quick to, just to be critical, to sit around the table, grab our pop. Uh, for many, we'll grab a beer, sit around the campfire, do whatever it might be, and just chew the fat that people say. But we never stop to look at the blessings that God has really provided for all of us, even here in the United States of America. And something so simple is so profound. So yesterday, my daughter Megan wanted to go into Best Buy, and, and, and she was looking for a watch. So she was looking for a Series 3 Apple Watch. And so we bought a, and done a lot of business through Best Buy. A lot of our multimedia and everything that we've gotten has been through Best Buy. And so I've watched some of these young men. They've gone from, you know, going through college, getting their degree to, to moving forward in, in management. For some of them, they've even uh, moved away from Best Buy, but for some have advanced. And so there's a lot of guys over there I know from Nathan to Zach to, to Dan to uh, Seth to Lauren. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that work at Best Buy that I feel like sometimes we have church. This past week I went and, and got an iPhone 8. Not an 8S or an 8 Plus or an 8Z or 10X and all that stuff. I just, I moved forward really far advanced from a 6 to an 8. How was that? That was pretty good. Hey, but I don't have the flip phone anymore. How many of you have flip phones in here? Come on, admit it. All right, we've got one in the congregation. All right, we have one flip phoner in here. And uh, so anyhow, I'm, uh, you know, doing that. But we walk in there, and as we were looking at some of the, the, the Apple watches, my daughter says, man, dad, I would love to have the Series 3. Well, so would I. I mean, I'm looking for cars. I don't want to drive just a, a, a little tiny Fiat. I'd like to drive the top of the line Audi. I mean, we all have dreams and aspirations, but sometimes you just can't get that. One thing I love about God is he loves us and he's always looking out for us. Do you ever walk away from something and say, how did that ever happen? How did that promotion ever take place? How did, how did that healing ever take? That is amazing. Wow, what God has done. That has moved me. And so back to the story. So we're there, and, we're, and I looked, and I said, said to one of the sales reps, I said, hey, do any of you guys have a, um, like an open box watch? He's like, yeah, right behind us over here we do, and over there we do. And I go, tell us what an open box is. An open box is I'm giving a little advertisement um, for them. But uh, that means that if somebody got a gift, if I bought you a gift, you didn't like the color watch that I got, they would take it back, and it's called an open box. Everybody familiar with that? Okay. If any of you know me, I love the clearance rack. Everything I do, we go right to the clearance. I find where the clearance is at. Their junk is my treasure. And so um, if I can save 20 bucks, I'm saving $20. And, and so we went over there, and as we were looking at him, he opened it up, and one was $7 off. So we're looking at the Series 1, which is $250 for all of you wealthy, rich people that have these fancy phones that you can talk into, like the Secret Service. I would just like to congratulate you, but I don't have one of those. But anyhow, my daughter wanted one, and she worked real hard, and she saved her money, and she asked me if I would go in half. I said, certainly. And... Uh, you know, uh, because I'm just easy like that as a dad. And uh, except for Lindsay's giving me this look right now. And she says, Dad, can I have an Apple Watch? And I said, no. And that's how easy that was. And uh, <laughs> so I said, start saving. We'll negotiate later. But anyhow, so as we're there, I look over and I see this young man that's standing over there. And I had heard the, when I was in there to pick up my phone that there was, um, that this young man had been promoted. He ended up being promoted from... Uh, IT department, I call it the accounting back end. He just uh, received his degree in business administration and accounting. And thank the world of Lauren. Uh, but anyhow, so I said, hold on just a minute. 
And as he's walking around with his clipboard, he's now been, uh, you know, he's the big man on the totem pole now. I walked over and I said, Lauren, I just wanted to stop and I want to congratulate you. So out of the busy day, I just wanted to tell you that you deserve this promotion. I just wanted to say that out of all of the people here, you've blessed me. You know, you're a stellar individual. You work hard. You have really really made a difference here at Best Buy. You've helped us with our church multimedia, with the TVs that you see. I mean, so I've watched this young man over the last few years, and, you know, to see him walk around as a manager now just really blesses my heart. And so the story continues. He goes, well, what are you doing back here again, Todd? I just saw you the other day. And I said, well, we're here to pick up a, uh, an Apple watch for my daughter, Megan. And he's like, well, let me go see what we're, you're looking at. So we're over there. And he's like, oh, okay, so you guys are... Uh, Looking at this one, and I go, yeah, and I said, and immediately the guy pulls out this watch, and he says, well, here's the Series 3. Now it's $350. Put that thing back in that cabinet. Because ain't nobody got money like I am not spending half money. I'm new. I wasn't going to do it. So immediately Megan goes, oh, I can't get that. I don't have the money. And I want to tell you what he did. He goes, let me see that thing. He said, how much is that? You got it. Megan, how much money do you have? She goes, well, I was going to buy the Series 1. He goes, good. We'll get you the Series 1 watch. We'll get you the Series 3 watch for the same price as the Series 1. Megan's whispering to me on the way over there, is this really happening? Is he, what? So he gets up there and goes, now how much was that one, 241? Okay, let's just knock up $125. Folks, listen, that didn't happen by accident. So she was able to get the watch she really liked because God placed that man there for that reason. Now, do I need to sit there and go, that was just coincidental. Oh, shucks. You know, no, that's the favor of God. He's always looking out for us. You know, one, one of the things that I want to say, and, and I'm going to say this publicly. You reap what you sow. And I watched that young lady right there. When I saw her tithing record this past year for a high school student, I was humbled. I was truly humbled because I watched her give. Out of every penny that she made. And we're not talking $50. And Steve and George can contest to that. It blesses my heart to see my kids give. And when you give, God gives back. She said last night, and she went out with her friends, I think, Dad, I lost 20 bucks in this meal. I said, you didn't lose $20 in that meal, honey. Remember what you saved today when we went to Best Buy. That's God. That's promotion. That's how God works things out. And oftentimes we have a tendency to look at the negative. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So here we are when we look at the positive. What we may look like as a setback is really a setup. And I'm going to tell you a little story of where, you know, for many of you don't know, but I have a construction uh, uh, cleaning company that I do new construction cleanup. And I do, uh, I don't have a construction company, but I work for a construction company that because of this church and what we went through, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but because of this one individual who referred this business to us, they have kept us busy in 2016-17, and will continue to do that in 2018. He reminds me that the owner of this company started in the, in the basement of his home, and I had an opportunity to talk to Keith this past yesterday morning when he was in the office. And uh, he reminds me a lot of my dad, and it, it was just such a great feeling to see that I was there on a Saturday, he was there, and we were able to share some stories back and forth about determination and hard work and, you know, how God places people into our lives. And if it wasn't for, for the opportunity to start this church, which I will get into in just a few minutes, 
But because of a lady that came here for counseling, she worked there, referred us because they needed a janitorial custodial company immediately for one of the K's or Zale stores, and they were able to call us. And since then, we've been able to build a relationship. And so we can look at many of our, our situations and say it's because of our setbacks that's caused us to stop, caused us to give up. Why did I share those stories? I shared those stories with you to tell you this. That even though you might think that where you're at and what you're doing really has put you behind, really it's just setting you up for advancement. It really is. And I look at my life, I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm not standing up here saying I am the role model for this whole congregation in the world. Because I will tell you this, it's only through Christ and some of the setbacks that I've had in my life that have helped me to become a better man of God, a better husband, and a better father. Because we all make mistakes. He has also lined up people who will try to stop you. People will try to make you look bad and discourage you. There are Goliaths ordained. There are enemies that are ordained to come across your path. And if you don't understand this principle, you'll get discouraged and think, God, why is this happening to me? The opposition is not there to stop you. It's there to establish you. And when you overcome not only will you set, step up to another level of faith, but everyone around you will see the wonderful and amazing grace of God and his favor in your life. Point number two. What happens when your giant steps in front of you? When your giant or your enemy or obstacles step in front of you? Okay, so here we are. It's 2018. We start the church in 2005. I was an associate pastor. I'm going I'm to go a little bit into detail. I don't think I've ever done this before. But before this place, I was actually an associate pastor in Cuyahoga Falls. And I know this is live, but I want to share with people that, you know what? I think there's somebody I need to thank. Because I realized that as I sat at my table yesterday, in the quietness of my home, and this song started playing, there's something about that name. I found myself just putting down my, my, my pen. I pulled away. My laptop's right in front of me. And I just sat there and started singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And as I was just sitting there singing it, and thankfully nobody was there except for the cat, and she went scared into the other room, I started crying because I realized in my walk that I had a giant that stepped in front of me, and I looked at him as a curse instead of a blessing. What birthed New Hope Christian Fellowship? Why did this start? It started for us. I was suspended as the youth pastor. They had to sit down and have meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. This was 13 years ago. Conference meeting, conference meeting, deacon trustee, deacon trustee, deacon trustee, all this stuff. I was just heartbroken. I mean, I was crushed. I thought, why in the world would somebody go after my juggler vein like that? Why would you want to go after me to ruin my reputation? To cause me 
to not be able to, to achieve what I need. I didn't stop right here. I've been a youth pastor and associate pastor. This is heartbreaking. And I remember going to God and saying, God, why would this man go after me? Why would he say things like, they'll never make it? This is the kind of guy he is. He wanted me out of the church. Half the church wanted me to stay. I just resigned. It was easier that way. But I realized this. And listen to me, church. That I believe that that pastor, that God put me in that church for a reason. That God placed me in that church for a reason. And oftentimes I have looked at it as, why did this happen to me? And many of you in this room can actually say, why am I going through this? Why did this happen to me? You will never understand it. It has taken me 13 years to stop, to hear a song, to be moved in the scripture, to realize that that man has helped me instead of hurt me. See, what God meant for good, Satan meant for evil. For years, people would say to me, Todd, why aren't you starting a church? You need to become a lead pastor. And I said, oh, no, I don't. Mm-mm, ain't nobody getting done for that one. I am not doing it. It isn't happening. I'm going to show you the, just the correlation here. God said, oh, yes, you are. You surrendered at 15 years of age. Saved at nine, baptized at 13. You are going to do what I've called you to do. This road isn't going to be easy. Get on your knees. And that's exactly where I ended up, with my face in the carpet in Ravenna, Ohio, at Hummel Construction, praying and screaming out to God, saying, okay, here am I. What do you want from me? See, what Satan wants to do, he wants to make sure that every one of your enemies, all of your obstacles, all the trials and tribulations that you're facing, he wants your focus to be on that and not to be on him. See, God wants your focus to be on him. And we have a tendency to always say, oh, it's easier to focus on the negative. How cool is it? To think that in the midst of it all, oh, it didn't stop. I left there. We ended up at the YMCA. God could have placed us. Well, we started on 4th Street. God left us there for a week. We ended up at the YMCA, one of the busiest streets in Cuyahoga Falls. Good old Broad Boulevard. Go out there, stick our little signs in. Church is open. Come and worship. God just started growing the church. Things started happening. We went to the Core Cultural Center. Within one year, God places us in this building. Now, here's what's so cool about it. In between all of it, all I kept hearing was, they're never going to make it. It's never going to happen. He'll never achieve anything. No, he thinks he's a pastor. I heard this stuff. Oh, this pastor was still after me. But you see what happened? That a holy passion started to, and a fire started to burn inside of me. And instead of saying this, you know what? I'm going to make him my focus. I made Christ my focus. And God just started opening up one door and another door and another door and another door. And you're sitting in a building right now because all that he did, because that giant stepped in front of my path. He allowed that giant in my life. And so today, you know what I think I need to do? I would just like to say publicly, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, because there's been souls saved and lives changed. Pastor Roberto is with us this morning, sitting in the back corner. There's a baptism that's going to be taking place. People are getting saved. We have a Bhutanese and Hindu church inside this building that follows right after our service. And all I want to say is, thank you, God, for the, for the, the hardship, the burden, the hours of weeping and crying. And, and God, I just want to say, 
thank you. Because he could have placed me anywhere. And then you know what he did? He provides a steeple for this church for free. So that everybody on Route 8 can see where the church is at. See, it's not anything I did. It's everything that God did. So when you start to think that when that giant or that enemy or that obstacle starts to get in your way, I want you to know church and I want you to know Christian that, you know what, you're going to look back on it and say, you know what? Thank you, God, because you appointed that person, that individual, that situation in my path to advance me because God loves you. Isn't that a great thought? Right when we think that we're at our lowest, God then comes in and he picks us up because he loves us. I love what Philippians 4.13 says. I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Romans 8.37. And all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Psalms 37.23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And watch this in verse 24. I had to just type this up. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his mighty hands. We've lost it, church. When you start to lose faith, cry out to God. And know that when he brings you to a place, that place where you're back on your knees, and you're crying out to him, you're still in his hand. And he still cares for you. And he still loves you. You see, sometimes God will put an enemy in your life to keep you stirred up. He will allow critics, gossipers, discouragers, and even haters so that when you're tired and feel like giving up, just the thought of them will help you to get your passion back and keep moving forward. Not because you feel like it. But because you don't want to give your enemies the joy of seeing you defeated. Sometimes you'll have a smile on your face. Just so that person who hurt you doesn't see you discouraged. This is not because of spite. It's not because of pride. But because you have a holy determination. And a passion to keep going for Christ. God does use the negative to keep us stirred up. If you were to look back over your life. You would see that those who were so against us didn't realize it. But that God will use them more than he will use our friends. Listen. God used this man. God used this Goliath in my life. To bless me. To bless us. That's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Those people that despitefully use you and abuse you, God put in your path. I used to think in my life, people come and people go. So I just want to thank all of those that have been a part of our church. I do. You've made me better. And I know it's not the end of my story. And I hope you can say that in your life, you're going to face so many obstacles. This past year, I ended up in my prayer closet. Because you see, when things are going smooth, for some reason, the Bible has a tendency to collect some dust. We have a tendency to not wear out our knees. We have a tendency to do more vacationing. 
But as soon as that obstacle, that giant comes in our life, all of a sudden, we wipe off the sweet fellowship that we have with the Lord. We get back on our knees and we start crying out to Him. And you know what that does for the Lord? It pleases Him when He sees that we're back to that fellowship and that intimacy with Him. I want you to know that pastor hadn't tried to push me down, discourage me, and tell me we would never make it. I might have just settled and I wouldn't be where I am today. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I've had some ruthless, mean bosses in my life. We all have. When you look back on it, did it make you better or did it make you bitter? Stop looking at it as a negative. And say, Lord, thank you. I've been blessed by your giant you put in my path. Sometimes it's the opposition that pushes you forward. Many times your enemies will do more to catapult you to success than even your friends. Number three, my last point. Your table is prepared just for you. So, if you look in Psalms chapter 23, verse 5, it says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Here's what I like that one translation actually says. My cup overflows with blessings. When God brings you through the dark valley of opposition, he's not going to do it in private. He's going to do it in such a way that all your enemies can see he has blessed you. Now watch this correlation. God could have kept us on 4th Street. God could have kept us at the YMCA on Broad. God could... Well, Leslie's like, no, I just sold the house. God could have kept us at, um, you know, at, at the Court Cultural Center, but he didn't. You know why? Because he wanted the world to see that for those naysayers that were saying they'll never make it, he wanted the world to see it's not those people that are doing it, it's me. And so I stand up here today after 12 and a half years to say, unless the Lord builds the church, we labor in vain to build it. Only God builds the church. And now we have a beacon in the night, that, that steeple on this building that lights up, that lets the world know that we are alive and we love the Lord. Listen, church, don't let people discourage you. Don't let them get you down. Don't let them beat you up. Because you're just what the Bible has to say in Matthew 5, 16. And you know it's one of my favorite verses. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. A new year. Many of you might be up against something similar right now. Maybe an enemy on your health. Your finances, maybe even a relationship. It may look as though it's never going to work out. I want you this morning to have a new perspective. I want you to think differently. God is preparing everything right now for you. The finishing touches are being set on the meal, and in any minute, dinner will be ready. And some of your friends may not even see what's going on. But the Bible says he prepares the table before us in the presence of our enemies. Different perspective, isn't it? Sure makes you think. Okay, so what you're saying, Pastor, is I'm actually supposed to be thankful 
for all of the discouragement, the hardship, the trials, the tribulations? Yes. Remember, the doubter, the critics, the people who said it wouldn't work out are going to see you blessed, healed, promoted, and in a position of honor and influence. Isn't that exciting? I mean, it's been hard. Because you see, I would have settled way back. You can't do it. 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 He won't do it. He won't do it. They won't do it. They can't do it. They can't do it. After a while, what's that do to you? Some of the greatest people that have walked this earth have some of the greatest testimonies because of their childhood hardships that created them to become a better man and woman for God. Because they turned it around. And when they said, I can't do it, he said, yes, you can. You said, I can't do it. He said, yes, you can. So look at somebody and say, you can do it. Our faith is lacking because we feel like we can't do it. Remember, God loves you and he cares for you. So in closing, God used Judas more than he used the other disciples. Judas was ordained to betray Jesus. Just think about this. We know the story. We go through the story. Judas sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denies him. We know that the cock's going to grow three times and all this stuff's playing out. And we understand that Jesus Christ, it's prophecy being fulfilled. Well, guess what? There's a prophetic message for you as well. And God's not finished with you. He wasn't finished with Judas. And so in the midst of all this, I realized something that Judas and Peter and James and John and each and every one of them were a part of God's divine plan. You see, the man who betrayed Jesus, the one who sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, was just as critical to his destiny, if not more, so than others. We celebrate Mary, the mother of Jesus, giving birth in the manger. We celebrate John baptizing Jesus and a dove coming down from heaven. And we celebrate all the great things of, of Jesus walking on water, but why is it we don't celebrate Judas? Why is it we don't celebrate Peter? Because God placed him at that table. That same time, in that same place. So as I close, what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. Stop complaining about those that betray you. If they walked away, they didn't set you back, they set you up. Listen, there's so many. And as the music starts playing... There is none. And uh, I will set this up myself. But I will tell you this, that, that with this happening, and, and things are happening in your life, hardship, illness, no matter what takes place, I want you to know this, that God is involved. So I stand up here with a humble heart, asking your apologies for all my complaining. Seriously. For those moments that I went in my prayer closet, I will no longer, ever, 
say, because of those that were a part of my life, because of the way they've hurt me, I want to curse them. And so now I will say this, I am a blessed man. Face your giants and understand that God didn't cause all this to set you back. He caused all this to set you up. That had not happened. You wouldn't get to where you're supposed to be. They overlooked you to push you down and lied about you. It may not have been fair, but nothing happens by accident. If God allowed it, he knows how to use it for your good. God will use opposition to bless you. Take your hurdles and turn them into stepping stones. God is working all things out for your good. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning. And I just pray that, Lord, even in this room, that as we have faced trials and tribulations in our life, we realize that, Lord, we come to you today just to thank you, Father, for what you've done and in all the obstacles, some of the hardship in life. I just want to say thank you, God, because you allowed it to happen. And, Father, if I thank you for my victories, I'll thank you for my losses. And even though I might be on the mountaintop, I thank you for my valley situations. Oh, God, thank you for helping me realize that you have ordained all things for your good. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we honor you. And this morning, Father, for those that are in this room, Lord, and those that might even be listening today, God, I I ask that, Lord, whatever they're going through, help them to stop. Maybe it's with friendships. Maybe it's with coworkers. Maybe it's with a, a loved one. Maybe someone in a marriage that's going through some difficult time, no matter who it is, God, realizing that, Lord, all things work together for good to each and every person that loves you. Oh, God, in this time of reflection, Help us to focus on you and give it back to you. With a grateful heart, we come to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.